0: Welcome to the episode of Everyday Parenting Podcast. Today, I really wanna focus on our educators. What roles do they play in our life? What roles have they played in our lives? And what roles do they play in our future? With everything that has been happening in the world, we have all really experienced a collective understanding of the challenges that have been out there. The pandemic, we have wars, we have gun violence, We have everyday challenges that come up for us, everyday challenges that come up for our teachers. And we need to look at it all. We need to look at that and understand that educators are people too. Today, I wanna focus on how all of this has affected our educators and what the classroom looks like for them. So my guests today on this podcast are all educators from across the country, different levels, different ages of years of teaching, to years in the classroom, to different ages that they teach. They're all coming together today to give us insight to what it's like to be in the classroom before the pandemic, after the pandemic um, and beyond. Um, Looking at all the different pieces, understanding that They have been through everything we've been through, but we've expected them to continue on. We've expected them to drop everything, leave everything, turn on that Zoom or walk into that classroom and be that supportive person to you and to your child. That's a lot. You know, they're not trained to be psychologists. They're not trained to be police officers. They're not trained to be nurses or health technicians. They're trained to be educators. What does that mean? What does that mean for them? That's what I wanna hear today. I wanna give them a voice. I wanna give them a chance to talk about what it's like to be in the classroom with your children and what you can do, hopefully as parents, to understand that and to know how to work better with our teachers. You know, our educators are frontline workers. They deserve our respect and understanding. Um, What have we done as a collective society to alter, to change, to give them the support they need? What have we done? Let's not assume that educators are doing okay. Let's not assume that they're going to be fine. Think about, think about your role as parents When your child leaves for for school in the morning, do you automatically assume that your child is gonna feel safe? Do you automatically assume that they're gonna walk into a classroom and the educator is going to be there and be ready to take to take, take care of your child for the day? They provide a safe environment. They provide a place for the child to learn. But I think something we've learned over the past few years is that you know, have we watched our children learn from home, of really what our role is. What is our role as a, as a parent with a child? What is our role? What do we see our role from our teachers? I think it's been a very interesting observation to see how parents have really kind of come to realize more of who their child is, was, can be. And I see a huge influx of parents um, wanting and seeing things from their child that they never saw before. Their, their teacher over the years might've said, hey, your child really is struggling with paying attention or your child is really struggling with um, remembering content and, and being able to, to, to use that information. And we might in the past have said, oh, they'll figure it out. The teacher will work, educator, they'll work with it, they'll figure it out. But you know what I'm seeing now? Is Now that parents have had to really sit down and work with their child one-on-one, have that relationship with their child, have that time with their child, the parents are now saying, hey, I get what that educator was telling me. I get what they were trying to tell me. I didn't see it before, but I now have lived it. I now have experienced it. Can you help me? That's what I see. I see a lot of that going on. The educator can never replace or never should replace the role of a parent. And I think that is something that we have truly learned over this last couple of years. The educator has a role, a parent has a role and a child has a role. And each of us have to learn and continue to learn what those roles are. So let's spend some time today listening to these educators, understanding what their role is, helping them un- help us learn what our role is as parents, and understand how we can keep this system going. We all need each other. We've realized that for sure. You know, how can we help? What is our role? Understanding the parent, The parent is an important part of this. You have a job to do. It is not all the teacher's job, not all the educator's job. That's not their job. You are the parent. Get involved as a parent so you know what your responsibilities are, what, what comes with being a parent. Teach your child the role in the classroom and their role with the educator. Teach them what their role is. Teach them what the rules are about being a student and having an educator and a teacher in front of me. We all have to understand that change is inevitable. That's life. Life is full of changes. So we need to support each other. We need to understand that. We need to empower each other. We need to support support our educators, and we have to become more involved. We need to support in whatever way we can. Little ways go so, so far. So remember, your child needs your time and you need to give your time to your child. Your educator is there to educate your child while at school. That's their role. We all have our roles. Your child's role is to come to school, be ready to learn, and be respectful of that process. And we need to help them with that also. To all the educators out there, I just want you to know I respect and admire your courage. I respect all that you do. And I encourage our children and our youth and all of society to please do your best to help the educators so they know we are all working together as a support system. So let's listen today to this group of educators that I have brought together to learn from them and to understand what it is like to be in a classroom and what we can do as parents. Let's welcome our educators. All right, welcome to Everyday Parenting Podcast. I have my educators here right in front of me. Uh, we are going to get started right away with our uh, first educator, uh, Brent. Go right ahead. Start with us today.
1: Yeah, well, hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm really interested in this. Even though I am retiring, even though this was my last year, I was in the business for 37 years and I was a substitute teacher. I was a junior high teacher. I'm a high school teachers. what I finished as. And I really love seventh grade, really love that seventh grade vibe. I think that they're really excited and I love juniors as well. But one thing I want parents to understand is that, yeah, we did come out of pandemic, but it's always pretty hard sending your kids to us and hoping that we're going to fix them. I think that that's probably the biggest uh, issue a lot of of teachers have is the idea of being the fixer. And we, we are educators in the sense that we're, we are stair steps and we get stepped on quite a bit and the steps have worn away. You know, they are still nice marble steps leading up to whatever, but they get worn and it's the kids that are doing that, which is fine. And what we want parents not to do is to, carry the kids up those steps, because it just makes the steps a little bit more worn, a little bit more scuffed. And we generally can't get to where we want to have the kids. That's just one of my thoughts. Yeah,
0: yeah. Fred, what what do you see to be the most um, when, when a parent when you say that a parent is is, you know, carrying those those kids up those stairs? What? How do you see that? How do you see that play out?
1: We've all heard of the helicopter parents, and that is a kind of parent. Um, The pandemic gave us really the lawnmower parent or the bulldozer parent. And it's not so much the helicopter, which is something that all parents do. You want to come in. You want to make your presence known. You want to get to know your teachers. You want the the children to be safe and secure and so forth. And that's expected. Uh, But the bulldozer parent is, you know, to heck with the consequences. I'm going to go in and make sure that my baby has what I think my baby needs, which may or may not be uh, an appropriate uh, need by the parents. And I'm not saying that the parents are wrong. It's just that when kids are away from the parents at school, they're different humans. When they're at home with their parents, they're different humans. We do that. We we take on a role that's just. Uh, advantageous for a setting or whatever. Um, And the kids are able to really express themselves and be different and take risks and whatnot. But the parents limit that in many ways. Or if the kid is spoiled or, or feels that they're the center of the universe, then the parents can bulldoze in or even helicopter in, and it gives the kid license to be over the top and it takes away from the other kids in the class. And that's, I think, another thing that parents uh, have to realize is that we have 30, 36. I I had a great small class this year of 22, I think it was. And I was just as happy as I could be to have 22 kids. Oh my God. But they were about 30, 34, 33 in that neighborhood. And that's a lot of kids. That's a lot of personalities. Yeah, yeah. And too many bulldozers, you know, in a construction site like that, uh, just it doesn't get any work done.
0: Yeah. How do the parents normally confront you? How do they come in? How do, how do they bulldoze? Is it emails, phone calls, arriving? What,
1: do they show up? And I, and, happening? I you, and I have to tell you, I did not have a lot of bulldozers, mm. me personally. I, and I, maybe it's because I'm an old man. Maybe mm-hmm. it was because, mm-hmm. you know, hey, that's Mr. Beatty or, or whatever. Don't go bug him. I always welcomed it. I, my door was always open and I always told everybody, come on in at any time. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I just, I, they would be email. It would be a, a, a meeting or whatever. And it was generally fairly positive. It was the stories I heard. Uh, Locking out is a very high performing school or oh, the school I teach at, La Cunada High School. Mm-hmm. Very high performing, um, it, high expectations. Parents who are engineers, parents you know work at JPL, parents who are fairly well off and fairly wealthy. And so they rightly want their children to follow in those, those footsteps sure, sure. of success,
2: so. Sure,
0: any other educators that are on this right now, would you like to add anything to that concept, to that idea?
2: Yeah, I actually agree a lot with Brent, and I think one of the things I've noticed that I would love for parents to know um, is that it's okay for students to take risks, and it's okay for them to fail, Um, and that's something that I talk about at the beginning of the year at back-to-school night. Um, I tell the parents, like, the first math test they take this year, they might not do that well, but all that is for us is data, and it allows us to know where we need to work harder or how we need to study and, and i think it's all appropriate development um and i definitely what brent's saying resonates with my experiences as well um just because it does sometimes feel like the parents try to take control um, and in the long run i don't think that helps the students learn what they need to with life skills versus um academics so
3: yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, and I and I love that you're talking about life skills there, right? Like we we need to teach kids that it is okay to fail. And we need to help parents understand it's okay to sit on the side and watch your kid fail for a second. We don't we don't need you to bulldoze in and save them every moment that they have a rough spot. Yeah. Yep. That is how we learn, that is how we grow, both as as people, as academics, as scholars, that's what life is about.
0: Definitely definitely. Yep. That's, believe me, I I run into that at a non-educated, I run into that at the home and everywhere, just the parents jumping in and wanting to make it better all the time, just with simple little things too. You know, I can't, I can't cut my meat. I can't eat. Okay. Just simple things.
4: (laughs) Yeah.
3: Well, I I remember that as a kid too. I mean, I remember sitting down at the table and not being able to cut my meat. My dad said, well, you're going to figure it out. Right. He, he showed me how to do it, but then he didn't, he didn't hand it, hand the fork to me. Yeah. I had to learn how to do that. And I sit there as a parent and as a teacher and, and how do you find that balance? Because I think that sometimes that's the hard part. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and I think as Kristen was saying too, it's that, you know, uh, allowing, you know, being really upfront with parents. I think that's the question that the piece here that what I just pulled out of that one is, you know, communicating as often as you can with those parents up front. Of this is how I approach it. This is how I, this is how I see it. And having that initial piece versus trying to, you know, after the fact. Well, this is why I did it. Well, why didn't you tell us that? You know, then they get so defensive and like, well, you know, we didn't know, and and then my child didn't know, and you know, all those all those pieces. But right back to you. We're back to you. So continue on, please.
1: Oh, I, I think we should all chip in on this one. This is probably the, the key to, of education. I mean, right here, the idea of communication. Um, mm-hmm. We're trying to yep. communicate to the kids. And we're trying to get them to move from, from somewhere here to somewhere higher, right? We don't know where yep. they are, but make them a little bit smarter, more educated or whatever. It's all communication. So, and then we have the communication piece with the parent which is um, kind of something we really want to take care of early. We want to have it in our syllabus. We want to have it in our back to school night. And it's like, okay, get out of here. And now it's time to go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so the communication aspect is, I think what upsets parents the most is they don't want to be told to get out of here. Um, It's like that. I don't Those of you who've taught elementary school, but that first day of school, that very first day for that kid and that parent is the hardest day because the parent is giving this baby over to the school and then they're told to get out. And the, the, you know, the elementary school teachers who know what they're doing say, yeah, go, get out of here, go. They're gonna be fine. And of course, what happens? The kid's fine. After five minutes, the crying stops and everything's fine. Well, add to that years and years and years of school and that same anxiety for students is there. The same anxiety for the parents is there. The same anxiety for the teacher is there. And I I think it's just harder. It's not easier for parents to let go. And those parents whose kids graduate from high school and go to college, I remember that. I mean, that's traumatic. That is trauma. And then getting into college, further trauma. It's all about communication. It's all about assuring the parent that we're doing the best we can and the kids doing the best they can uh, on that cutting the meat idea. Um, Those of us who teach high school and see the kids go through the college application process, I -hmm. think is torture. I I really think it is a modern torture device to make kids feel bad about themselves. Mm -hmm. And then the parents think that it's somebody's fault that they're Child did not get into the school choice. And again, it, it comes to this idea of letting the kid be the kid, let the kid fill out the, the application, let the kid fail in school, let the kid own up to whatever, let the kid make a choice and not go to the school the parent wants them to go to um, and feel good about it. Um, so yes. that's the, i,
0: think. No, I- I I I had an approach with my kids. You know, fill out your application. (laughs) You do it all. It's your it's your journey here. Yeah, I was hands off. Someone can tell you that in this group. (laughs) Um,
5: I was gonna go after.
0: Go go right ahead. Go right ahead. No, truly,
5: I feel like the biggest thing with like communicating with your teachers and with the students is that you are trying all to build skills for the students. Like you are trying to build that self advocacy you're trying to build that self-responsibility and the more you can be hands off and like support them in that but even like if you do need that support checking in with the teachers be like how are they doing in this like I want to know how they're doing but letting it be the kids journey and like giving them the chances to fail I think that's truly the biggest thing is like building those skills letting them fail but also you can get those check-ins as you ease off
0: yeah yeah And, and I think as, and, you know, being, and I was an educator at one time too, being an educator, being a parent, being a therapist, you know, it's all part of this, this journey of, um, you know, allowing, you know, when I sent my children off to school for the first time, I remember that letting, letting them go. Right. And trusting. And, and anyone knows me knows that I, you know, I, I have to trust before I'm going to let my children go anywhere. Um, And, you know, but i what I did with my children in school, it was really to get to know those teachers. And I made an effort to get to know them. And not only me, but I encouraged my children to get to know those teachers. Ask them what their favorite color was for that teacher. Ask them what their favorite flower was. Ask them what their favorite cookie was because my children and I would make those things for those teachers. We would make their special cookies for them. We would give them those things. We would take care of them and nurture them. And that's something, that I always put value on was making a relationship with the educator, with with the teachers, with the staff, not just the teachers, but the staff, but also teach my, and and modeling that for my children of I trust this person, I'm getting to know this person, I'm trusting this person. And I want you to also learn that by watching me, but also doing it yourself. Um, So I think that was a, but it was always this, ability to communicate, it was a very huge piece and finding ways to communicate with the teacher. And I found it as a parent, um, and when I was an educator in the community college district, um, it was very interesting how people communicated with me or how I learned to communicate with teachers. And every teacher is so unique, right? So they like to be some like emails, some like a, a one-to-one face-to-face, um, some like in passing, some like, um, you know, volunteer in the classroom and then I'll give you a little time, right? And that's, you know, so from your perspective, educate teachers, what, how, we're all different, right? So how would you like a parent to ask you that question? How would you like a parent to communicate with you? What do you find the most comfortable way to communicate with parents? Um, Emails are a great idea, right? You want a great invention. but it does take that personal piece out of it and that interpretation of an email and words can be so like a text message it's so difficult to read mm. actually what is being said there and a parent can read something such as your child's having a really difficult time um you know with their math, their math and the math and remembering math facts so you know can he, can we come can we talk about it oh my gosh that would set a parent off <laughs> it's like <gasps> Versus just saying, hey, you know, they're having a hard time with the math facts. Maybe we could work on the 10s this weekend. That's hard to say in an email, right? But t- teachers, tell me about tell me about that a little bit more for you.
1: I, I think a real challenge on that. I mean, we all like email because we can take it at our pace and take yeah. it when we get to it. I think we feel we could be easily overwhelmed if we had to meet face-to-face with every single parent.
0: Yeah, well, especially in the high school. The high school is a very different situation versus an elementary christina has elementary you know that's a little different you have christina how many students do you have or did you have this year
4: i have 32 in my homeroom and then we had 94 with all three sixth grade classes so i would see all 94 but it is very different so it's kind of we i agree with everything the high school teachers are saying but elementary we try to foster more of a community because it's more of a partnership teamwork and then they kind of know how i want them to communicate I, for example, have an open door policy, but I would like notice. I don't want to be bombarded. I have not had the bulldozer effect yet. After the pandemic, it's been like here, they're yours, and I'm trying to, you know, get a hold of them. So it's a little different. But um, in elementary school, just like Mary Beth was saying, I really, as a parent, I had the benefit of being a teacher prior, so I kind of knew. I'm not, it sounds, I mean, to befriend the teacher, but it's obviously not my friend. We're not gonna go out and have social time, but in a way it is, cause I'm trying to teach my, that connection, create the connection between my child and the teacher. So I look at now teaching the same way. Those are someone's babies. Um, and as I'm getting them ready to grow up and mature, I still want that community sense in my classroom and that partnership. So open communication, they can call, just not you know, interrupt instruction, obviously, and be respectful but I really do have an open door and I have no um, problem working with parent so far. So good. So it's, it's worked, but again, notice, common respect, common um, politeness and, and just build that team together and it works so far.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Josh, you have elementary. Would you say that's.
3: yeah, very, yeah. It Elementary has to be different than high school. I don't know that. Yeah. I don't know that world. <laughs> but, but I love being able to talk to parents. I think that that is the most important thing that I do in my classroom. Yeah. I build relationships with kids and you build it with parents because that's how, that's how we grow together. We, we build each other up. I want your kid to reach this goal. I can't do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. We have to come together and form this bond where we love this kid for who they are, where they are, and we help them grow and and i think that that happens the most through communication
0: yeah yeah definitely definitely no and, and, I, and I the one thing that i've always I, I use this this term for my families is you, you got to build bridges between the children's world you know mm-hmm. so the bridge between home and school very early on in elementary school we got to build those bridges right so it's a whole thing of you know just one bridge would be knowing your child's your teacher's favorite your, your teacher's favorite cookie right okay we're going to make some chocolate cookies take those cookies, right, to your, your teacher, that's building a bridge between that home and that school, right, the home and that teacher, and then, then that's going to give that child ability to walk in and say, I made this for you, right, and that communication then starts, right, because we can't just have a child walk in. Josh, you want to talk, I can see.
3: Well, well, I don't know, I don't know if I need to say, like, one, two, three, do we, are you, like, I, I don't want my kid to sound like a kiss-ass when I say this, but, <laughs> But when he walks in and he says, "Like, hey, what's your what's your coffee?" and he brings it to you, I don't mm-hmm. want him to seem like a kiss ass. Sure. That is sure. that is him reaching out to you to get to know you. And it might not be coffee. It might be, "What's your favorite color?" and then he goes and colors you a picture. Yeah. But when we when we start to see our teachers as people, I think right. that that's when we start to humanize the educational process, yeah. and we start yeah. to see. Teachers, teachers aren't on some pedestal that's way up here, or as society sees us, way down here. Yeah, are,
0: yeah. Let's, let's put it
3: there. Let's put it in reality, Josh, because <laughs> that, that is the reality right now. We, yeah. we are people that want to be loved just like anybody else, and we yeah. want to love your kid for who they are.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. 100%.
5: Yep. So just like add on to that, I feel like when you're starting that communication, just on both sides, assuming best intent, assuming the parents are coming with like, we want to help our kid and assuming the teachers are coming there with, we want to help those kids. Like always just assuming that the best intent is there will make all the communication better throughout the
4: entire year. Right. Don't go in just blazing. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, I think I think I think Hannah, you, you've expressed too. you've learned that the hard way, misinterpreting maybe to, you know, you know, of a parent coming to you and you thinking, you know, oh my gosh, they're coming at me, but it actually was a really nice conversation, right? And that's that, you know, I think over time we, we we learn to trust that, but you also have to be really alert to that piece too, that we don't always know how it's gonna come at us. But, you know, yeah, very
1: cool. Well, I also think that, and, I, and I've and i been, you know, like I say, I've been teaching a long time, um, but even that that last, you know, my last year, if you see the email, you're wondering in your mind, okay, is this going to be a bad thing? Is this going to be a good thing? And I had all seniors, and they were, you know, under enormous stress. Hannah, you remember that senior? Everybody remembers that senior year, waiting for that letter. And um, and I'm just, I was always kind of a little bit hesitant, not nervous necessarily, but hesitant about, okay, what am I about to open up here? What's going on here? Um, And it was, was, 99% of the time, it was pretty anodyne stuff. I mean, it wasn't a lot of like really heavy duty. What are you doing to our children? I had a couple of those um, and they were anonymous, which I thought was kind of strange. We had this anonymous posting that they allowed parents to, anonymously say something about a teacher, which I think is a horrible, horrible idea yeah, at okay. any school, any leadership, mm-hmm. to, to have an anonymous tip line. Um, and I thought, well, that's that's not that's not right. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, the, the parents are just, they're worried. They were worried mm-hmm. about their kids.
0: Mm-hmm. So I do know about that tip line because actually I, I didn't know it was generally for, I mean, it's for anything, right? Anything at right. school. Yeah. Cause I knew, I know it did work really well for a situation where a child was being yep. sexually harassed. Absolutely. So this, but for, yeah, for a teacher. Getting, absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah
1: potential yeah, yeah. threat. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Brett, do you have anything more you want to add or before we head to another introduction of someone else and maybe. No, let's go. Let's, all right. Let's all right. Who wants to, to go there. next? Uh, jump on it. Whoever wants to go next, introduce yourself and a little bit about you. Go. Who's going?
3: I felt like I already introduced myself, but I am Josh Monroe. I teach fifth grade in Omaha, Nebraska. I've been teaching for 10 years now. I, I feel really old. I don't know if you post <laughs> things on like YouTube and stuff, but I got no. a lot of gray hair going on. I don't know if it's from having three kids or, or 10 years of experience. Um, I'm blessed enough to work at the school that I attended, which is a high poverty school. Um, but I love that about what I do because I get to walk in the shoes or I walked in the shoes that my students are currently walking. And I, I think that that's a really cool experience for me. That is really cool. Josh, tell me, tell me a little bit about your, your experience growing
0: up as a child. What, what was, when you, when you walk down those halls, what pops into your head? What do you remember? (laughs)
3: If anybody knows me, they know that I'm going to say the same thing over and over again and it's Mr. Henry, he was my 4th grade teacher. I remember absolutely nothing that he mm. taught me. But I remember the way he made me feel. And I remember that he played with me at recess. He ate with me at lunch. I remember him teaching me how to play chess, which mm. we can't we can't do that anymore, right? You can't. You can't teach a kid how to play chess because you got to get him ready for the state test. I remember I remember things that are about being a person, from my from my experience at that school. So, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I loved I loved school because of the way that it made me feel.
0: And I, and I think it's really cool that you actually chose to go that route when you're with your with your life too. I think that's. Uh...
3: So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out one more cool thing for you because I talked about Mr. Henry. I teach at the school I went to. He is now my teammate. And so oh, we teach. Oh. We together. So it's it's kind of a big circle of life. Little Lion King there for you.
0: Yeah. No. And I did the same thing. I went back and coached at my high school. And for my coach, that and his name was Mr. Henry. Also. Bob what? Henry. Oh my and, yeah. Yeah. But oh. I might. And I ended up marrying a Henry. So there we go. So <laughs> not the same Henry. I just want to clarify that. Not the same Henry. <laughs> but I went back and coached a high school basketball and it was under that same, that same piece of, he, he was that genuine individual who made me, I was a horrible athlete, but it didn't matter. You know, it was just fun. And I fouled out. The story was, I fouled out at every game, but he didn't care. He used to yell at me. He thought it was hilarious, but he enjoyed me, but he hired me back to be a coach because I was a genuine individual that he loved being around. And I loved being around him and it worked right. And we had a great, great coaching career together. Um, A short one, but it was fun. Um, But it's that same idea, right? That circle of life going back and doing something and being someone um, that we yeah, we enjoy. So
1: that's really that's really important. This year, my last year, I taught two children whose parents I taught in the seventh grade (laughs) back at Eagle Rock. Wow. So and it was a fantastic experience. I I mean I remember their parents I and, and I spoke with him. It, it was great. And we have a great picture of me and all of the brothers and sisters. Plus, many of my kids that I taught, seventh grade, are still my dearest friends. I mean, they are mm-hmm. dear, dear friends. I could call them right now and say, hey, what's going on? And they're in the education business. One's the yeah, principal, yeah. Daniel Steiner at Taft High School. I taught his sister. I taught him. I mean, great family and I think that's important that we make that, like Josh talked about, that yeah. Yeah. that connection. Uh, I taught with people who taught my wife back at Eagle Rock, which is I mm. thought was also pretty cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: when I came to La Cañada I taught with a guy whose uncle I taught with. I mean, it's it's a small world. It's only six miles square. I think the yeah. entire yeah. world.
0: Yeah, um, but when I mentioned earlier before the podcast, I said you know Brett and Josh, I. I, I, you know, you two remind me so much of each other, just different generational teaching. But um, Brett Beatty is known for his relationships. This man is a legend for relationships. And that's why I wanted him on here because he is the man that, or the the teacher, I'm not going to say man, but the (laughs) educator who will be on the sideline of every game that his kids are at and cheering them and and using their, their name and, and um, encouraging them on, and that's what he's known for. That is his gift of life, is making connections with people, n- remembering names, um, and, and making that authentic connection. And that, that is your gift, it truly is. And Josh, when I found Josh and brought him in here, he was that same person. And that's why I wanted you two to be together on this and brought you two here, but it's all about connection. But the question today is how do we connect right, to kids how do we allow parents to connect, right? And how do we teach parents um, to go back and connect? And I think I, think I saw a glimpse and you, may, you saw a glimpse too. It, it might've been a very difficult glimpse because we were all kind of drowning as we were, saw it happening. But um, the glimpse that I saw was I have parents who finally got to know their children. And it was during those, that pandemic time, there was an absolute glimpse of reconnection as hard as it was, there were parents who were able to connect with their children, learn to know their children, see what they were challenged with. Um, Really, finally here, I can't tell how many times I've heard my, my teachers tell me that my child has a hard time paying attention. I thought it was just because he's a boy and he's sitting in a classroom. Now it's I really get it. I see him struggling sitting here on Zoom. Well, Zoom doesn't help either but I saw him struggling at home. I saw his classmates on Zoom. They weren't doing what he was doing, right? That comparison in a positive way. But that form of communication, that form of understanding, that form of connecting with their own children was enormous. Did you see that? Did you see parents or parent differently that was going on and you know, it was, you know, I don't know, Josh, did you end up uh, in Nebraska? Were you on Zoom as long as we were on Zoom out here? I don't know. You know, we're, we're from all different places here. So how long did you teach
3: on Zoom, Josh? We only did fourth quarter. Oh, really? That's oh, wow. it. And then, and then the next of, year. Of what year? Of
0: what, <laughs> so,
3: so what would that have been? March okay. 13th is when the world shut down. Yeah. Right. We got out of school May. Right. That's the only time I had to teach only online, and then when mm. we went back in August, it wow. was you had the option to be online or in person, and that year, I had two online and twenty in person okay. really, okay, so. Let's, Christina. What did
0: you have? Because we we were on Zoom, right? We were yeah. We weeks. were on Zoom
4: that whole m- after March thirteenth, end of the year, and then we started on Zoom all the way until after spring break in March. Yeah. and then a it whole, went to hybrid. Whole, yeah. It was wait, yeah. That was the hardest part. Seeing the rest of the country have homecoming, have all these things that our kids were getting in, in our bubble here, and that was made it even worse. So yeah, and, we were for a long time.
0: Well, and and I want to I want to talk about this too because I, I see families all over the world. So I. I talk about this, that, you know, I, I have families in Europe and Scotland and Ireland and Germany. And so I saw it all happen um, before it happened here. And they stayed longer. They were in lockdown longer than we were here, too. So it was a really strange phenomenon to see it all kind of play out that way. But uh, yeah, interesting, right? I, yeah. yeah. Wow.
3: Well, I, I thought that the way that it played out on different parts of the country is super interesting too. Like, we're all part of the United States, but Nebraska did it way different than a lot of different places. But we still saw the same things. Like, yes, you were what you were talking about with kids acting differently online. That one quarter that my kids were online when we came back, it was so much different. It was so different to see them the way that they weren't able to interact with kids yes. yeah. in the I don't want to say socially acceptable but grade level way that they typically do and I don't know if anybody else saw that yeah. but but we're still seeing it play out yeah. and and yeah. we were only there for a quarter so I can't imagine <laughs> what it was like if if kids did that for a full year and I have a kindergarten son who, who wasn't in school during COVID and and I look at what that year did to him when he wasn't able to go to daycare, but that was only for a summer for him. Like how, mm-hmm. how do we help kids get back to that level of, of social ability, in person social ability?
0: Yeah. Well, and that that is the question that I'm dealing with on a regular, and we're all dealing with as professionals. But it. But I want to tell you the 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 statistic here of of developmental piece of how long it really could take. And that that is a sad state. It, the, this catch-up piece. And I hate to give numbers because it kind of gives us all this, oh my gosh. But it is the truth. It takes, you know, two and a half, three years to kind of catch back up to what was to a to a chunk that's been missed developmentally. That's how long it takes to kind of bring it back. So, but the the question is, you know, when summer break happens, and I was just dreading when we had, you know, when kids were finally back last summer and then we had the summer break, it was like we're just getting back on a roll, right? And then we had the summer break. It's like, oh no, oh no. All those kids that I really needed to stay social and you know, get involved were now back home on their computers playing games and doing that. But it really is going to come back to the classroom again, which is so difficult. We got to add that social emotional learning, heighten it. And I was telling when I was working with schools and teachers, school districts you know going back into the um back into the school you know right back in bringing the children back i was really working with these teachers on learning you know how to not just walk in and say okay get your math books out or get your eye ready you know let's let's do some group dynamic work let's talk let's you know have a sharing time to really learn about what you did this weekend or that last night what was difficult what was hard what was happening on the playground how can we work through that That's what it's going to take. It's Mm going to take a lot more all the way up. And I see it as volunteering at the high school. That's what I'm doing when I'm walking around with my dog as a volunteer in the campus with my therapy dog. That's what I'm doing. I'm finding those children who are, I call, I call them the perimeter kids, right? The kids that are kind of on the perimeter that don't quite know how to engage. And they're the ones that are walking my dog and bringing my dog in with me and, 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 um, I let them hold the leash while people come because if you see me on campus there's a like i i'm I'm a, I'm a person and a dog but there's like a a swarm that kind of follows me around the campus and i bring that kid along with me and have the kid with me and i say hey can you answer the questions because i answer these questions all the time you know what's the dog's name how old is he what tricks does he do and so i have that child take on that role but that's what it's gonna take it's gonna take all of us finding, and not just you as educators, but it could be the library staff, it could be the office staff, the counselors. Our school is blessed to have a wellness center, you know, at the school, which is doing so much um, for our, our, our children. I know, uh, Christina, where your daughter graduated, you know, they just created a wellness center also. Yes, they did. It's mm-hmm. such a blessing in so many ways, um, because we're providing, we're taking this burden off the regular counselors who are doing the academic piece, and now we have full-time therapists on staff which is so necessary um, to have that check-in. But um, yeah, but yeah. So Josh, yeah, the answer is we have to be able to then not just at school do it, but we have to educate the parents. It isn't just about you and the children. It's about now let's bring in more education for parents because that's what I'm saying when I go back to, I saw parents connecting with their children and we need to continue that. And Christina's right. It was like, drop your kid off, they're at school, yes yeah,
4: they were so happy, and, Too and, happy. And now
0: and now we're just connected again because now they're putting it back on the educators take them you got them they're all yours again that was a big mistake and i had several school districts i say don't let that happen keep the parents involved keep the parents in the loop how do we do that that's
4: Yes, and then yes. it was hard because after the pandemic, when they were back on campus, it was so it shut down. You know, they still didn't have visitors allowed and, yes. and for COVID parents reasons. couldn't be there. So, yes, so could they still couldn't yeah. come back wholeheartedly. So they were still more like, okay, they're yours. I can't go on campus. And so yeah. it finally got norm- normal just this last spring. And, you know, everything was kind of back to parents coming and events. And yeah. so it's yeah. getting, it, I think it can only get better if we keep at this rate, at this normality.
0: Yes. And then, then, you know, once again, I, I, today, this morning, Wednesday morning is my New York, my New York morning. I do a lot of my, my East coast clients and they're still in school and they're still going, they have a couple more weeks, but this morning, I can't tell you how many phone calls I got of, I had had, uh, cancellations because COVID is rampant again. The kids are all starting summer, ending their school year. COVID is rampant and it's, it's hitting really hard again um, on the East coast. So knowing that, see, here's the ripple. Europe, it came to the East Coast, and now it's gonna come here. It's coming, guys. It's coming, here we go. Um, Josh, you're next, because Omaha, that's <laughs> gonna hit our Denver, folks. <laughs> right down the line. It, 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 truly, it truly has been that way. It really has been.
1: And but yeah. I think a, a rule of thumb that teachers figured out, well, maybe not Josh, because he had his kids back. And Josh, you're so lucky. I'm so jealous.
3: But
1: you got them back. But we had those crazy days of hybrid. But the rule of thumb is the kids are behind two years socially. Our ninth graders are seventh graders. Yes. 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 And ninth grade is the single hardest year, especially for boys nationwide, probably worldwide because of that developmental stage of where they are. I mean, yeah. one foot's bigger than the other. They got an eyeball that's like on the top of their head, <laughs> their, their hair's growing, one ear's looping down to their shoulder, you know, boys are just in trauma in the ninth grade. They got sent home and they never quote, grew up. No. So they, at no. least in the schools that shut down. Yeah. And then you said two years to overcome. Yeah, That means a lot of these young men and girls too, Yeah. Are going to be developmentally yes. insufficient if you I don't want to say that. That's yes, but movie. but heading
0: in but heading into college. And that's yes. the other problem. Yes. And yes. Then that and that's the pattern we're seeing. I I'm seeing a huge influx of 13-year-olds, right? You can think about 13 year olds, but they who they were, right? They were in elementary school and then they jumped, literally jumped over junior high, huge mm-hmm. developmental moments, right? Mm-hmm. And went right into high school. Holy
1: moly, right. Yeah. And I don't know the answer. I, I think I don't know the answer to that. I don't know how to overcome that. Um,
0: well, it, it's yeah, there's no there's no magic wand. And that is the problem. But it, but it but it's not going to be all of you. And that's that's what I want the world to know. It can't be all of you. It cannot be put on you. We've got to bring the parents back into the system again, as they were during that pandemic, because they have to be educated on how to do it. Katie, do you want to talk?
6: Yeah, I was just going to say, I think um, something that Christina said that resonated with me was, like, not only did the students gain disconnection, so did our families. And I think, like, as we aim to help re-enroll families into schools, it's a part of our responsibility as a school, and I'm, you know, speaking as a school leader, that like, it's our responsibility to rebuild the connections between parents. Um, I think something I've observed in the past year and a half of this just, like, this connection, is that the stories that parents tell themselves, right, they're only living in their experience, yeah. is becoming truth. And sometimes that truth is not quite the reality of a situation, just based on, you know, a, a middle school student is going to explain their day through a certain, you know, pair of glasses versus the way that like their teacher may or, or even their parent may experience it. And so I think there is a level of re-engagement that parents also need in supporting their students and reconnecting and rebuilding skills that our, our parents in a lot of ways need that as well.
0: hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I, you know, I think the piece we have to look at too is how can we change, I know the policy with high school and even you know, college, you know, is disengage parents, disengage parents, which we talked about at the beginning, right? we got to let our kids grow. We can't hold them up the steps, but -hmm. We need the parents on campus a little bit more, especially in our older grades right now, to redo some of that and and re educate. And and I need the parents to see that their child is very similar to the other children that are in their class because they see what they want to see. They see what they were, who they were, or they see on a TikTok, you know, who's that, or or on Instagram, who, you know, but I need them to see um, other parents and other children and which Christina was saying too, they wouldn't even allowed back on campus. Even though the kids were back, parents couldn't come back, which is a huge piece um, for them to also see this. I don't know what the answer is there. I don't know how schools can do that. Um, It's it's a very difficult situation, but we have parents and children who both need to develop, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I think back to when I was
5: your child in school and like, when I'm thinking back, I feel like what you did instead of, Disengaging from this, like from the experience, was not like you just engaged more in the school community rather than in like my experience. Like you mm-hmm. for like had us be a part of the we had like work bees at our school where we would go. Oh,
0: work bees! Things. Yes,
5: we didn't have a janitorial staff, so like we would go every month and like do this large, all of the communities coming to help. But like I had such an investment in the school and in the community even though I knew that you weren't going to be like over my head the entire time while I was doing my schoolwork. Like yeah. I knew that you cared about the school and the community that I was building there, even though I wasn't nece- like you weren't forcing me to do a certain thing in sure. my academics. Sure. No, and I- so I think like that could be the answer is truly like, um, like pushing families to be a part of the community. And so that means like helping in like the seventh grade classroom, even if there are kids in ninth grade, like being invested in the community part of it.
0: Yeah, truly, truly, and and that and you saw that you saw that growing up, and you saw that, but that worked because I was invested I was getting to know other children too, right? Not just your class, and not just you, but other children, different, different levels, different parents, and yeah, that truly worked. Yeah,
4: right. And it's I think going back to us saying how it is different in elementary. It's just as important in high school, middle school, and high school. I mean, I want to hear back from my kids' high school teachers, or or they do. I want to know that they're hearing back, or. Um, and definitely supporting all the community events. My kids weren't on the football team, but I went to every game, you know, because I did want to see all those other kids. So parents need to know that it doesn't just stop. Yes, we're trying to raise them and be independent and push them out of the nest, but you still need to stand, like you were just saying, Hannah, actually from the background, like from the back and watching the other events and continuing that communication and partnership. It's definitely important in high school as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, and, and I think in college I was blessed to college. have my kids. Yeah. I would my kids went locally and I was blessed to be able to be part of that world as well. Yeah. Um, which I enjoyed as a parent, as you can tell, you know, if any parent would. But um yeah, but but once again, not as engaged as I, you know. Right. There wasn't nice. a lot of opportunities unless you right. unless you give a lot of money. <laughs> was, right. Give money. <laughs> give us more money. <laughs>
1: Well, I think, Mary Beth, also the, I mean, I think the, uh, the elementary model is great. You have the room mother or the room parent and so forth. I remember when my kids were in pre-K, we were, you know, we had to serve a certain amount of time in the class, which was great. It was easy because my wife was also a pre-K teacher. Uh, that was pretty cool. But um, high school teachers aren't ready. I don't think for that. I don't think I I think there's a built-in bias mm-hmm. and I'll be I'm guilty of that of hey this is my domain. Get mm-hmm. out of here. Mm-hmm. And what you're suggesting is we need to we need to open it up and have more involvement, more engagement. And I think the high school kid is not ready for that either, frankly. I think the high school kid would be absolutely devastated if their parent came in on a regular basis, <laughs> no, no, I, um, I, 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 I don't get, think that. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I don't. I don't want to do that. I but, but I just think me. a high school teacher
4: needs to return an email as equally as a fifth oh, grade totally. teacher needs to. Oh, That's totally, totally. I don't. I would never walk in that classroom. <laughs> or I never even wanted to teach in that classroom. But <laughs> I just think it needs to kind of stay consistent. Where hey, just and I think high school teachers should get gifts. Like I still think on superficial levels, like that, it needs to be the same, similar. But right. no, I would never assume you, you <laughs> but, want to but, volunteer. No. But, but Brett Christina.
0: Yeah, but what Christina was saying too is, you know, her kid children just graduated from high school and she was in she was in the you know, she went to the football games even though her children didn't play football. Yeah. But right. Her, but her child was there, probably in the stands yeah. with her friends. I went to football games with my child. Yeah. You know, they didn't play football, but I was
4: there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. To, That's yeah. the level, not in the personal space. Right. I agree right. with you completely there, Brent. No.
1: But I think you're right, Christina. I I think teachers have to realize when they get an email, you jump on it that moment. You can't. If those things pile up, the parent's going to automatically just say, oh, well,
4: that teacher doesn't care. Yeah, it's going to go down a negative spiral. And, of course, the teacher has a life. But I just was so flabbergasted by some high school teachers where all of a sudden it was just like just no communication. I don't think that needs to be the case, even though they're different leveled of ages so i totally agree totally yeah. agree
0: but but again okay so let's let's look at the time of a teacher right i'm looking at kristen because mm-hmm. you know where do you find time high school elementary i look at you know hannah i look at Chris. where do you find time to answer emails and that's i have a hard time answering emails yeah. <laughs> i'm not even a teacher You know, it's tough it's tough and you know that so the, this is where i i, I asked the question within you know looking at the system right the system of schools Principals, um, Katie, Katie, you're, you're, you're our representative here. You're the one, you know, we, you know, what can we change on that level? Where can we add in, take away, add in, give something to educators so they have time to do that um, and make that time and make it a priority and and communicate that through the system of the school that this is something we have put great priority on. Once again, it's that we've got to look at the whole system. What's lacking here? What, what you know... I don't know, you know, something to think about, so.
6: I'm deeply appreciative that we have a 24-hour response promise around email in particular,
0: mm-hmm.
6: so it provides teachers with an opportunity to say, like, hey, I'm getting these emails, those are really important, and I have a window of 24 hours to mm-hmm. respond, and then, you know, I think asking to say, like, hey, I need to have a quick conversation with a parent, like, meeting on team can be really helpful, whether that's, like, a teacher messaging me and saying, hey, can you pop into my classroom for independent practice? Like if I'm available, I'm gonna be there to support our teachers for family engagement. But I think as much as email is a very useful tool, it's also probably the least urgent um, just in the world of school. And so I think I I always am thankful for that 24 hour rule for myself. I was a teacher in my school building um, and loved it then as well. Um, And that's something that we're very clear about with our families is if this is something urgent, call the office, um, find like send a note in the child's planner versus an email because we are very stuck to a 24 hour response rate. Um, And I think that helps teachers just like some teachers are still like, I got an email, I have to respond right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think oftentimes that's when tone can be, can be misread or mistakes. be made or you know we can accidentally pour a little bit of fuel onto a like baby spark um and so i think sometimes leveraging 24 hours can be really helpful for our teachers and for parents too yeah i also
5: think the great thing about our school is that we have the advisory system set up because we have a system where it's like we have 18 kids that we are responsible for as like a teacher even in a different subject area and so parents have that that go-to person so like if they have an issue with the math teacher, they can still come to me and I can reach out to the math teacher and like get the response that's like helpful to the families.
0: Yeah, and 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 it's just
5: such a useful tool.
0: And you had that, oh, uh, well, Kristen, uh, you're going to have that next year going back to eighth grade where the seventh and eighth grade does have those small school type settings, which I I think in high school might be a good thing to bring for back for a while and create that advisory board for the high school. The same idea, but you know, that like the seventh, eighth, have those small school with, all the teachers, the math, science, history, all collaborate together on a group of kids and are, are attentive to those kids. So I don't know, mm. something to think, kind of think about too.
3: Well, and I like I like that twenty four hour policy. Like that gives us a chance to be a person, right? Like if, yeah. if we are heated in that moment, that gives us a chance to calm down. Because I know that this year I had a, a parent lash out at me. I was not in a place to have a good conversation because. <laughs> I wanted to lay my mind down, <laughs> yes. but if you, if you have that time to, to think about and articulate what you want to say, then you're able to build the communication. You're able to build that relationship instead of tearing down bridges, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 So I think, I think that is a great, I, you know, Katie, that's a great policy. I think that's something we can definitely take away from this and maybe, maybe having that communication, if it's not a system communication, maybe just a individual teacher saying that, say, Hey, this is uh, this is kind of what I'm gonna stick to, but uh,
1: yeah. Mary Beth, for also for parents, I you know if we kind of had the hey write an email or whatever, but then don't send it yeah yeah until you've reread it yeah. Uh, Yes. Because I've I've read emails before I've gone to bed, which by the way, huge mistake. Just yeah. don't do it. <laughs> just don't. And and it just, you know, I I'm a horrible sleeper anyway. So oh God. Yeah. But I had one of those and I went to bed. I was steaming. I mean, I was just already at a boil. Woke up the next morning. I wake up early and I read it again. And I realized, oh, okay okay all right i only read every other word yeah. i didn't read every word and i selectively read it so all right
5: yeah
1: yeah not as bad and i i i like the idea katie when did that get or hannah when did that get implemented and institutionalized in your school
6: the 24 hour rule has been a part of my our school community since i joined eight years ago wow. and so it has hmm. been there. Wow. Um, since the beginning, um, it's allowed me to say like I check my emails on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday.
3: Okay, and, like
6: that's okay, mm-hmm. and that allows me to like be a bit above the minutiae on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Are,
1: like, yeah, before. great and, policy, yeah. All right, Kristen. Take that back. Take that back. You're gonna like roll that out. <laughs> what are well, the
0: and, and Brett, you're right too. You know, to teach our parents to write that email but not send it especially don't set it until you talk to your children yeah. because a lot of times, especially with grades, why isn't that in the grade book? They yeah. come home, everything's not, the grades aren't in the grade book yet and the child comes home from school and the parent attacks the child. What why is it? this? What is this? Like, how many times have I heard a child in session with me, the teacher is just so bad about putting grades in. They always delay and then my parent attacks me and then the grades come back in on Friday and they finally, they calm down on the weekend and, you know, It's just this pattern, right? But so maybe teaching parents how to communicate and how to slow down with emails and say, hey, talk to your child first before, if it's a child issue, write it, stop, pause, send it the next day and see if it's still relevant, right? Hmm. All right. Who would like to introduce themselves and go with what you, go with your story? We've heard a lot of voices, but people may not know who you
1: are, so. Should we, uh, Mary Beth? Should we reintroduce ourselves at this moment as well?
0: Um, well, you did a little bit, yeah. You, okay. you, you introduced no yourself. and no, Josh not. reintroduced, and, you know, did so. Cool. Who One, two, wants three. To go next? On that, no worries. Yeah, who wants to go next?
6: We go. Okay. Um, so, Mary Beth, thank you for having me on. Um, of course. Nice to connect with you and with all these other educators. Um, I am Katie. I am a Dean of Students at one of the few Diverse by Design middle schools in Denver, Colorado. Uh, We function as a 6-12 campus, so most of my work is with sixth grade and all of our incoming families, but I definitely still work with community members all the way through their senior year. Uh, Prior to stepping into school leadership, I taught elementary school I taught fourth grade, I taught sixth grade social studies, and I taught sixth grade science, which is really where my heart is. Um, yeah, that's that's who I am. And I think, you know, I'm in a unique role where I work with families in a very proactive way, but very often a very reactive way um, as kind of the leader for culture and discipline. Um, and I just, I'm really, I love working with families, even in the most challenging components of schooling, and education, and I think I always ask families, you know, at the start of the year to, sh- to, like, partner with us, even in a secondary setting, to celebrate and share joy, to work with us as we work to navigate support and accountability with their students. I mm-hmm. think that's something that has been kind of challenging um, year to year. Is just helping families understand that, like, you can't have all support and no accountability and you can't have all accountability and no support. And so working together to find what that unique balance is both for the family and for the students like respectively. And then I I think a big component that we've talked a lot about is around communication and trust. Um, Hannah spoke earlier to this of like, we hope that our families are assuming our best intent and we have to remember to assume the family's best intent in communication with and about their children. Mm. I think all of that work, all of those hopes and those partnerships is deeply grounded in mutual respect. Um, I think remembering that being a teacher is a profession. It is not like a sole identity, right? Every yeah. single person involved in this conversation works and has has a role that's okay. incredibly powerful, but is also a human and, and should be treated as a human First.
0: Um, yeah, yeah with 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 your own pieces that coming into that day right coming in you know if you just look at the pandemic piece of you know you were asked to you know put aside as we all did we all had to kind of put aside but but working as an educator you you know you had all your stressors josh you had three young children right during that time um you know christina you had children in school um you know it, it you know it's just you had to kind of put all that there and then and then turn on and be a full-time caretaker um, in a very different setting too, which um, you know, we get that they're, they're, you are human. <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at, at humans, um, and humans come with a lot of things, a lot of stressors, finances, um, you know, financial pieces. Um, I, I, you know, during the pandemic, I was dealing a lot with death. I was dealing with students who were dying, uh, grandparents who were dying educators who were dying. Um, how did you all, did that something that did affect you? I mean, what was affecting you the most during this last couple of years? What, what did you find to be, um, you know, let, let's make you human here for a minute. <laughs> let's let the parents see how human you were uh, and are. Um, what was hard for you? What 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 was that human quality that that parents can, can learn about you as educators? I don't want to go personal, personal, but you know what? It's it was tough. It was tough. It is tough. It is still tough. We are dealing with a lot more and a different way. Um, you know, I, as, as I introduced, you know, we have, you know, wars we're dealing with and I have, um, you know, parents and children from many different cultures and, and, and uh, across the world and we have gun violence. I'm going to bring it in here. I have to bring it in here. It is, it is a real problem and something we do, I would like to talk about a little bit about Um, You know, uh, I know Josh would like to talk about this, um, but you know, what are we gonna do? What does it look like from your perspective? So I'm gonna open that up and maybe see what you wanna talk about.
1: I was actually very lucky in the sense that both my girls graduated from college and we were empty nesters. And I have this office here that I'm able to, you know, I was able to teach in. And I told everybody at school, I can be there because I don't have to be with my children. I mean, I'm, I'm very lucky. However, I do, like all teachers, internalize all of the, the stresses that when teachers are attacked somewhere, we all feel attacked mm-hmm. ourselves. Um, when those kids, I don't want to go into the details, but you know, the kids who faced a gun and tried to hide you know, playing dead and, uh, and so forth. And so we internalize that when, when um, children who are undergoing transitions, whether it's gender identification or coming out or uh, another way, you know, s- struggling in many ways with their themselves, I internalize that I, you know, identify with that. And um, so that, so I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to, you know, beg off and say that I was, struggling because frankly speaking I was pretty lucky um, from a financial I mean I'm 10 minutes away from school too so yeah. Yeah. that's just I, I you know knock on wood
3: yeah yeah no truly thank I, you I I sit in a place where I I have a big social media platform and and I sit there when when COVID started, um, I made videos for fun, and and they were just get kids to come to a Zoom meeting so that they would be on class. And that time was hard having three kids, and my kids learned to adapt. My my own children learned to adapt. Hey, we're gonna go drop this book off to Sophia, so that she has a book to read. My kids didn't know any better, and and now we're in a different place where things are getting back to normal and america is going back to normal and and school shootings are becoming a thing again and that for me sitting here is really hard and i might cry and if i do i apologize but i i i i don't want us to go back to where we were because we america was great and we were on this mountaintop and we got taken off i don't want us to go back to the same mountain because where we're at now we can see we weren't great and we have to make changes for our kids to keep them safe. Yeah. 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 And that's heartbreaking because we all, all of us here love kids, but it can't, it can't just be the seven of us here talking. We have to have people share what is great in education. Let's share that and what sucks. Yeah. And let's yeah. share it. That's, that's what we're
0: doing, right? That's,
3: right. Yeah. We, we're in a teacher shortage. A huge exodus of teachers. Yeah. And we're doing nothing to change it. Our, our school district is so amazing. So amazing. And what we're doing to get teachers into education is we're saying, we'll pay you $1,000 to student teach. Sweet. What does that do once you graduate? What does that do to keep you in the job? What does that do to keep you safe? What does that do to keep your kids safe? And we got to start talking about those issues. How do we How do we address the bigger issues? And I don't have all the answers. I'm not going to pretend like I do. Yeah. But I'm also not going to stay silent about it anymore. So no. No. I know I sit there with this big platform on social media, but I, I I've learned that is not who I am, that platform I've been blessed with, and I am going to speak out on things that I believe in, And I believe in gun reform and I believe in protecting our kids and we're not doing it.
0: No, no, we're not. We're not. And I, I, that's how I, that's how I found Josh. I I found Josh on that platform. And I'll admit that's where I found him and I wanted him here. I wanted him here for that reason. I reached out because he has a voice and the voice needs to be heard. And he has found a platform that is working. Um, and, and it, it is, it's, it's, it's destroying you on some level, Josh, because I see your pain and I feel your pain, but your pain is so important for the world to see all of you. That's why I'm having you on today. I really want the world people to understand what it's like for you, what it is like for you to be in that classroom and see this play out and know that the system around you is not supporting you it isn't, and it's 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 tragic, it is tragic, and it was tragic during the pandemic, it was tragic before the pandemic, it's tragic, and so, yeah, what are the answers? What well, are I feel the answers?
1: Kind of, I feel kind of guilty, and Josh, to your point about the exodus of teachers, I swear, I mean, it just weighed on me, and I thought, God, you know, I don't want anybody to think I'm running out of here, that I was chased out, um, but I don't know if you've, You know, you go to the store and you've got your sell-by date on food and you have your use-by date. So I'm at the sell-by date and I want to, you know, have some life before I get to the the use-by. And and it it, it makes me feel guilty, though. I mean, Josh and everybody and and Kristen, everybody who's in the classroom is the best job in the world. I, I just loved every single good and bad and indifferent minute and but it's over you know what I mean I mean I'm when you teach the kids of the kids you taught I don't want to be like a teacher I taught with at Eagle Rock who a girl walked up and said hey you taught my grandmother yeah she turned in her retirement papers that that year I, I'm not gonna I, I don't think I have that much yeah. I've gotten enough in my heart well, I yeah. just don't know if I have enough everywhere else. You know well, what
4: I mean? Right. And that's something, too, to recognize when you're done, when you're, you know, maybe you should not take it too far. So I sounds like you deserve your time. You've done your your time, and I don't think you should feel guilty one bit. Go travel the world if, as long I, as we can. I, I,
1: I get you. I understand,
4: and I appreciate that.
1: But it doesn't make me, it doesn't make right. me you know what I mean. I well, don't, let,
0: I don't, let, can, can I give you my observation? And I've had, I've, like I said, once again, I've had the blessing of knowing this man. And. I, he had my children um, and I've watched him, the, and watched them with so many other people. And um, when I told Kristen I was having a on, he's like, she's like, yes, you <laughs> but the reason we all say that, and what I saw when you came back after the pandemic, you were not the same person. Yeah. You, your fire was smothered. Yeah. And I'm not saying you weren't a bad teacher, but you're right. You knew, you know, you know that the teaching world that you're in right now is not who you were or what you desired or who you are as a human being. And it was really difficult for you. And very so, if for you to lose your flame during that time, imagine, and I'm, I don't want to compare you to the kids, but I, we need to because that's how they feel too. But I want to focus on you. And I saw the difference. Yeah. And so when you said you were retiring, I was not surprised. I was like, you know what? It's not the world for him right now. This is not what he, you know, uh, you know, yeah, your flame, your flame got smothered. You yeah. did. And, and I think it was about going back to that whole piece of you were the cheerleader who was at, involved with everything and every child. And that opportunity was not there for you.
1: And that's just, it's, that's heartbreaking. I mean, to me. Um, it, I mean I, I still felt I had a lot in the classroom you know I mean I I gave everything all the way to the you know last day the kids yeah. didn't like yeah. it because you know we had assignments and all that yeah uh, and they kept saying hey what did what are they gonna do fire you and I was like what kind of attitude is that I mean that's a horrible attitude um, yeah. but you're right it 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 was a much more difficult um, transition happens. it
0: really was yeah Yeah, yeah, but you know what? Right, and this is this is you know as Christina was saying too. You know, it's so good to know when you need to not move on or just. It's so good to know that you know what I need this transition in my life. I need and you need to go find where your flame is again. You need to get fuel back for you, and that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah, that's
1: okay. I'll know in August when school starts back. I'll know. Yeah. Yeah. Right now it's summer vacation, so yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Well, and and but that's why I wanted to grab you all now in June. We're recording this in June. It's not coming out to August, but I needed to grab you all now while you were still in school mode. Because once that summer mode, I know that summer mode when it hits in. Christina's right on the verge of going yeah. there. She's like hours from going to the summer mode. <laughs> I can see it. She's there. Yeah. <laughs> and I know where Christina's going to go. She's so close to going to the summer. So I had to grab you this week. Josh has already been there for a couple weeks here, right? Josh, you've been out for a while. So he's kind of in that mode, you know, I don't know. Hannah, Hannah's back into teaching summer school. Kristen starts summer school tomorrow. Yeah, so you're kind of sliding back into it a little bit, but uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, what, tell me, tell me a little bit more. Who else wants to talk a little bit about who they are? What, you know, yeah, what, how, how do we solve this? How do we, what do we do? What do we do, teachers? What are your thoughts?
3: I'll say again, I don't have any answers, but I think that we need to uh, we need to turn to Brent here and tell like, why, why was he in the profession for so long? And we need Brent to keep talking, right? Like, like teachers like Brent need to tell their story about why they were teachers for so long because statistics show you're only gonna be a teacher for about five years. And then you're gonna go do something else where you make a ton more money. So how do we keep how do we keep great teachers in this profession passionate teachers because I don't think people leave because they're like oh I don't like kids anymore right. They leave for outside of the box reasons that we can't predict yes.
4: like yeah.
0: how- well I think it's important to look at who we have right now so I'm gonna ask the question each one of you Christina why are you teaching
4: Why am I teaching I, I I like it there's so many things I like about it I just felt to be... I like the kids, of course. I like the curriculum. I like my classroom environment is one of my favorite. My organization, I feel like I'm really, my strong suit is almost my organizational skills. And I like, I see needs for, you know, the youth to need that. So just kind of all the above. I think it's a great career as a second income, as a mother. I feel fortunate that I didn't teach with littles, but I think it would, you know, it is, it was definitely easier going back in with older kids, but I think it was manageable as a, as a dual income situation, so
0: yeah, and I, th- I think
4: that. And, big- and I was on fortunate to be on my kid's same schedule, so that's huge. So there's so many things doesn't always happen that way with same school district, but just so many perks like that. But yep. I like it.
2: Kristen, why do you teach? Well, I'll be really honest with you. um so well, it, just, well, be honest because
0: your story well, <laughs> is actually really interesting. Why? <laughs> how you got into
2: this whole teaching. Yeah. Yes. Right. Right. So I just finished my second year of teaching. So if you do the math, um, I started during COVID. Oh, wow! Um, so I have only experienced virtual hybrid and then this past year, whatever we want to call that. Um, so that is, that is my entire teaching experience. Um, going off of just Brent's amazing career. One of the things that keeps me teaching. Cause I'm not sure right now how to answer why I teach just because I don't really, I don't really know what the last two years were. Mm-hmm. Um, it's people like Brent who have been supportive and have been like a cheerleader. Like he talks about bringing plates of cookies. He literally walked into a math department meeting and handed me a plate of cookies for no reason. And I was like, <laughs> how are they're such nice people in the world. Um, but I really think that it's the people that have come before us that can kind of lead the way. And I think for Brent, he's leaving a legacy here of just really, really impactful experiences and and people who talk about him. And it's just, it's just really amazing to um, experience those types of people and to want to kind of follow their path and um, there are moments where I'm not sure why I'm teaching (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I'm like, this is not it. This is not what I thought it was going to be. What what did
0: you, what did you think it was going to be?
2: Well, I mean, I didn't think I would start my very first year of teaching on a computer. In a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That was (laughs) the hardest. Um, Yeah. So I think, especially because of the pandemic, there's been this disconnect as a community. Um, And even with teachers supporting other teachers, like I feel as though, that wasn't super present when we were all at home because we were all dealing with things and we were all so tired of Zoom and like technology and that was our only method of communication. Um, I just think that part of how we rebuild is that community building aspect um, with the parents, with other teachers, with students, just all of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's funny when I asked Kristen to be on this, she says, why, <laughs> why would you? And do you know what I wrote? Do you remember what I wrote to, said to you? No. I said, because you're, you are loved. Your students love you. And I, I need, I need to share that type, you know, with same thing with Mr. Baby, you know, it. your students love you and they love Mr. Baby. I know, Christina, I, I know, Christina doesn't know that I know several of her students. They love you. Um, uh-huh. You know, there's, that's, you know, I know the secrets of your life, guys, because I'm on the outside looking in, but you have value and you may not know that. And I think that's the shame, right? That you don't know that. And you don't know, you know, Mr. Beatty hears it all the time. He's been around long enough to hear the love. You're a new, you're a new teacher. Um, you need to hear that. And I, that's why I wanted to make sure you knew that. that. That's why I invited you here, not because I know you, because of the, because you are as loved as Mr. Beatty in that same, you're in that same category. And I think that's important for you to know that. And I, I think that's what Mr. Beatty was trying to tell you by bringing you cookies, that <laughs> you are loved. And we all have to, we, I think we need to do that more. We need to tell people. Yes. Hannah, why are you
4: teaching?
5: So many reasons. Um, I mean, I've wanted to be a teacher since I was five years old, I think it's truly, really because true. like,
4: but because- play I play school all the time, yes.
5: Oh yes, my yeah. sister <laughs> is sick of it. Uh, but no, I like, truly really, like I grew up with my mother who like valued teachers so much. So I saw her looking to those people and being like, oh, wow, these are like amazing people and this is who I should value. But then as I like got closer and like actually thought about my career, I wanted to build community. Like I am a music teacher. I grew up in marching band and band and like seeing how much community matters to people and how much education can provide that community was always really important to me. And then meeting so many teachers, including Mr. Beatty, who like just loved this job so much that made me feel like, wow, like this is a career that you could love and care for. And looking back at all those teachers, like they just had a care for students and this profession that made me feel like, okay, this is something I would like really like to commit my life to. Y-
0: yes, Hannah, but be honest, you, you as everybody in this room and everybody has said, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can survive financially. You know, Christina oh, said, yeah, it's 90%. a great second income. It's a great second income.
2: Mm-hmm. But,
0: you know, how do you survive financially? How how do we make it work? Um, it's tough. And Hannah, you've said that many times, like, am I going to be able to do this, right? So it's tough. It's a tough one.
3: Josh, are you
0: dual yeah, income, no, Josh? Are you?
3: Are you... Um, I make some money off social media now. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, before before that, yeah, I was. I I did driver's ed, so I taught driver's ed six days a week. (laughs) Oh god. Yeah. Yeah. No. So true. Yeah. When you talk about the financial problems that teachers face, like people are like, "Well, you only work ten months of the year." No, we don't, (laughs) because we do professional development during the summer, and we have about. I, I don't know how it is for anybody else, but our sick days, I've got one day that I can say, don't ask me questions about. And the rest I have to provide doctor notes for
0: mm.
3: that. That's not vacation. Like my vacation is the same as any other business person can have.
0: Yeah,
3: I got a couple days during the fall, three days during the spring around Christmas. Like we don't have that many more days than anybody else.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I plus, it's it's a twenty four hour, you know, twenty four hour, seven day a week, three hundred and sixty five day a week a year job. I mean, it's I'm always I'm still thinking, wow, I'm going to do this and that, and
3: right, and the bell the bell rings, and what do you do? You yeah. go to a kid's game, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Like, it's not it's not a nine to five job, right? It right. is way more than that. Yeah,
0: right. yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Who, who, did, who hasn't spoken yet? Katie, why
3: did you choose
6: education? Why did you? Uh, similar to Hannah, I knew I wanted to be a teacher really young and it, it was cemented in my like teens when I was coaching horseback riding. I became a teacher and studied education in college because I just like love being around kids. Um, there's just so much joy in seeing the light bulb turn on in a child's brain. Um, I grew up with a brother who's neurodivergent. And so, you know, watching him struggle at school when I just didn't have the same challenges. um, I was really interested to understand how education was different, how his experience was different than mine. And so I decided to to, do education and never looked back. Um, I loved and I got a chance to teach for about five weeks this year, um, to support a teacher. And, um, when she was on leave and had just a blast and, you know, I certainly don't know that I'm fully have a door closed to teaching. Um, but I, it's truly one of the most humble and privileged professions that exists.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Very cool. Anyone else want to share that topic? that idea? Josh, did you share what Why you? I mean, a little bit. You kind of gave us a little bit of that. Yeah, I feel like it was your childhood. It was your childhood.
3: I feel like I shared mine when I first started talking. I listened to uh, Hal Bowman, though, and he said, when you forget what your why is, just start very basic. Why are you doing what you do? Well, I signed a contract. Why did you sign that contract? I needed money. Why did you need that money? Well, I went to college. And you go all the way back until you get to the very most basic thing that you can say where there is no well why and it always always for every teacher goes back to the way that somebody made you feel yeah yep. and so yep. i like i said earlier i go back to mr henry i love that guy he made me he made me realize what it meant to be loved outside of my mom and dad yep
0: yep 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 that's, that is the basis right there, right? That is the basis. We're, we're gonna conclude here very soon. I know I'm, we're going long here, but um, can, you, can we all just talk real briefly? Because this is a hot topic and, and I don't want Josh to cry about it, but, I, but, I, but I, he is passionate about it. And I, and I wanna know what your thoughts are. I really do. I want parents to know what your thoughts are. Um, what do we do to keep you safe at school? What do we do to keep educators safe at school? What do we do to keep kids safe? What what do you what do what do we do? What do we do, guys? What what are your thoughts? Because we all have thoughts on this one.
1: I can tell you a not do, and that is uh arming teachers is perhaps the dumbest, most asinine idea. <laughs> Katie,
0: snapping case. Edward. What does that mean, Katie? Does that mean yes? <laughs> I mean,
1: understand, agree. agree. Yeah. I can I can't I remember my first gun that I got when I grew up and it was the happiest day of my life. And, and I remember learning how to shoot guns and growing up in a gun culture in Texas. I get it, mind um, of what guns are, how to use them and so forth and so on. But my God, guns in school and and just the the deflection from reality, this, this complete just separation of guns and they become this fetish that um, are stand-in for so many other deficits in somebody's mental or physical well-being, I suppose. But um, that's that's a not that is not a solution. Uh, hardening schools is not a solution. Um, the door ends that is my God, what garbage! Uh, it was a door left ajar. What what absolute nonsense! Um, and then the you know just even saying. Well, mental health, what the hell does that mean? Mental, yeah. that doesn't answer anything. And it just leads us down a road of well, what is your definition of crazy? Oh, I know it when I see it. That is not a solution. Um, it's it's much bigger. And I think Josh you kind of hit on it. And that is gun reform, you know, throughout society. But it has to be real. The thing, the... I don't know, the whatever you wanna call the bill that they're discussing right now is window dressing at best, which is a good start, but it's not, it is not uh, a solution, it's not. Yeah. So but I'm off my high horse, I, yeah. I can keep going. No, thank you, thank you,
3: who else? Well, and the, the, door, the door issue is hard because we've all been that teacher. Yeah. We have all opened that door To get some fresh air, to go out for a walk, to do blank. Yeah. Stop putting the blame on teachers. This is not a teacher issue. It's not a school issue. This is a societal issue that needs Congress to make real changes for us. And arming teachers, like you said, is asinine. We cannot do that because what are they willing to do? Then it goes back on teachers. Then it's the teachers' fault when We're 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 not stopping the yeah, we're not stopping. Yeah. Right, yeah, where the teacher yeah. doesn't go and engage because we're not trained to do that. But now it's your fault because you had a gun and you didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, uh, somebody yeah. else has to speak because I'll, I'll just go
2: off.
6: <laughs> 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 I mean, I completely agree with you, Josh. Like, And Brent, you too, everything y'all said, it's just excuses. It's just excuse after excuse and placing blame on a systemic issue that people are too afraid their pockets to be lightened. I think a lot of politicians are afraid to name it and be candid and say like, this is a systemic societal issue. It is very clear that we need, you know, universal background checks and age. If I can't have a beer before I'm 21, why can I have an automatic rifle before I'm 21 years old? My brain, my frontal lobe isn't developed until I'm 25. I'm still an adolescent yeah. I just, yeah. I don't understand the, like, developmental psychology that is just, like, getting missed and moving into blame, you know, I think. Yep,
3: yep, you're right. It's, you you it's hit on it. It's, it's money. It's money. You can look at, and when, when does this air? August, mm-hmm. beginning of August? Hey, mm-hmm. okay. so when everybody else listens to this, wait until November. There, mm-hmm. there is somebody running for Congress in Nebraska. His name's Tony Vargas, and he is running on common gun reform, common gun sense. He will not win. Why? Because we live in a conservative state. He will not win, but he makes the most sense for what is needed in schools to keep kids safe. And if you listen to him speak everything he says, you'd probably be like, yep, I agree with that. Yep, yep, totally true, totally true. But he won't win because we live in a nation that thrives off money not keeping people safe
0: well and that's why that's
3: why teachers are paid what they're paid i mean
0: correct that's Right. right where where is the value where is the value where where are we putting our resources and that's what it comes down to where are we putting our resources who else has an idea please come up with a magic idea here guys somebody somebody christina hannah Kristen.
5: I mean, we... there is no magic idea. Like, it truly no, is. There isn't. Text and Like, that's, that's it. But I think, like, hitting on the point of it's like all run by money. I mean, this is like why so many of the things in schools are not working. And it's why. We're talking about this like whole connection piece of families too like we started to lose that connection because we needed to open schools because we needed to get back to the normal to like keep the money going the way it goes like that is just the motivation for all of this and the more we can pause and try to like take a step back and try to build those moments that exist without money and without that motivation like that is where we can try to make a difference in the the now where we don't have control well
0: yes and, and hannah look at everybody look at the last shooting we had well not the last one let's let's look at texas i don't know how far back but yeah. if you look at that child and you look at if i i what i do when i get when i see these cases happen i go back and look at the child's life that's what i do i go right back and i research 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 about Anything I can find about what happened, what happened. And if everything we talked about here today is that child fell off the communication with adults, with teachers, with the family. There's a disconnect the whole way down this child's life. And he, if you if you listen to his friends at the very end of his life, everyone said he was not talking to anybody.
1: Right.
0: Talk about communication. He was not heard anywhere during his life. And everything was ignored, um, uh, was not done correctly in so many ways. And I I am am going to put it out there. It was not done correctly. Um, He fell through the cracks. He fell through the cracks. And he was silent at the end. Why was he silent? Why? Because no one heard him.
1: And to that point, it just kind of know. goes along with what Josh was saying about, you know, blaming the teachers. We have all seen the kid who was struggling, every one of us. And, yep. and we cannot determine whether a kid that just, you know, has a crush on somebody and they don't love them back or whatever, distinguish that from the kid who's a real danger. We, we aren't capable of making that judgment uh, in the short time as a high school teacher, junior high, in the short time we have the kids you're like we got to teach the math, but it goes back to also got to make the connections. You got to love the kids and then talk to the kids. I, I stand at my, outside my door. I well stood outside my door. You do. You before, do. Every, every single,
0: passing, every, every passing period, he's standing door. outside his door.
1: Yep. Every single time. Yep. And. It was a way also for me to say to the kids, "Okay, this is done. I got a new group coming in. Let's get out there, and and I'm going to greet everybody and, and face." And even in that small amount of time, there is connection made. But I don't know that I could have prevented uh, that. No, I, no, I, no, I, I, I
0: don't. Know. It is. It isn't just the education. It really. It isn't. It's. But it's the combination of everything. The parents. Yeah. The education. The community. Yeah. Right. It was, every, it's everything. And that's what we forget. Again, I'm going to remind you all, it's not just you. And I wouldn't want you to take this on. It isn't just you. And if you, anything you take away, I want you to hear that it isn't isn't. You're, you're you are alone, but you shouldn't be alone. Right. Right. And that's the problem. And that's the problem. You, we, you're alone and you shouldn't be alone in this process of teaching, of educating as parents shouldn't be alone. Right. Right. You just should so any last words as we close out because this is we're, we're going on about two hours here so <laughs> well, I'm gonna be I, in trouble with my producer on this one well, guys.
1: <laughs> I, I, I want to thank you Mary Beth I, I've got a I've got a split and everybody on the, the call I just really really enjoyed this and Kristen I'm going to be around a little bit next <laughs> next year helping out I'm going to be helping out Sarah and in, in the handoff on AP gov and the new guys coming into my classroom. So I'm going to, I can't say bye. You know what I mean? I can't say goodbye.
0: I know. I know. Uh, thank goodness.
1: I love, it. I love it too much, but differently. But, um, different yeah. way, different but I, do,
0: I do want to thank you all. I really do appreciate this. And I and I, and I would like to, you know, put out the, the flag again to you maybe mid-year next year um, and do this again and do a follow-up
2: um, and see where Sounds we all cut. are
0: and see what's, yes. what's happening um, and see how our lives are different, the same. Or changed, um, you know, because yeah, it, there's just so there's so much unresolved here, and um, there's so much more. So yeah, may, maybe right before the election might be a good time to kind of uh, come yeah. back on here. But uh, I, I hope I hope you will accept my invitation to come back and uh, be part of this group again. So thank you all. Um, any last words that you would like to share? Please take the stage if anyone would like to uh, say one more one more piece. Anyone?
1: Yeah, stay in the business, everybody. Stay.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Stay. Stay, stay. And, 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 and come. And come. Come yes. be an educator. Come yes. be an educator. Yes,
4: recruit. Yes, recruit. join us.
0: Recruit. <laughs> recruit. <laughs> all right. Thank you all very, very much. And uh, have a great summer. Enjoy your summers. You are officially can go into summer mode now. I give you permission as of yes. today. Right now, as we log off, you can go. It's summertime. And so enjoy. <laughs> enjoy.
1: Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you. Bye, you. Bye-bye.